0: All right, you can hear me? Great. Good evening, Wild Street. so good to be here. such a privilege to be able to give this once-off sermon on what it means to be made in the image of God. How about I pray before we start? Heavenly Father, please give us ears to hear and hearts to trust and obey. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's such a fascinating topic of the Bible, really makes you think, um, you know, made in the image of God. Makes you think about uh, humanity, if there's anything special, or there is something special about humanity, and what it is exactly that's, that's special about us. Um, being made in the image of God, it actually doesn't come up a heap of times in the Bible, um, but there are some key moments that it crops up in. We just read one, and it's probably the one that you think of most frequently, or most easily from Genesis 1, the creation account, In Genesis 1.27, we're told that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. But what does it mean? What does this mean? Uh, Some translations will say we're made in the likeness of God. So what part of us, what is it about us that's like God? That's in his image. And before your mind races off thinking about what it is, uh, let me give you an analogy, okay? So, does anyone happen to know what this picture is of? Which I assume is up there right now. You probably don't. It's okay. But I know Asher knows. You want to call it out, Asha? The kilogram. The kilogram. So this shiny metal cylinder that's being protected inside this double glass bell, uh, it's actually a kilogram. Well, I mean not a kilogram, the the kilogram. Because um, have you ever thought about this? How do we how do we know what a kilogram is? How do we know what a centimeter is? How do we know what any of these measurements actually are? Well, there's a standard. There's a standard that we measure it against. And so if I want to weigh myself, I stand on a set of scales. And uh, it gives me a number. But how do I know that the set of scales is accurate? Well, maybe I could get another set of scales, you know, stand on that, and I could compare them. But what if that one is also off? Maybe it's only point. You know, Zero, 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 00003 kilograms off. But you know, how do we know? Well, that's where our friend here comes in, if he's up there. Uh, he, he rocks up and he says, hey, guys, you know, I'll tell you what's up. I mean, I'm going to tell you what a kilogram is, because I'm the kilogram. So you put me on a set of scales, and if the scales read 1.00000000, you get the idea, kilograms, then that's an accurate set of scales, because I weigh exactly one kilogram. And so our friend here, he's stored away in some vault in Paris somewhere, locked away. And he was made back in 1879 out of uh, platinum, iridium, if that means anything to you. Uh, It was basically made to never change. And just in case, they made copies as well. So there's copies all over the world. And then just in case, again, every 50 years or so, they get them out again, and they, they weigh them just to make sure that our idea of the kilogram hasn't changed. And so if anyone wants to know with absolute confidence what the kilogram is, well, they look to this guy. And so what I'm trying to say is, how do we know what it is to be made in the image of God? Well, we look to the image of God. It's clear from the creation account in Genesis that we just read that humankind is made in the image of God. And so we could look to one another. You know, maybe you can consider our creativity, maybe our desire to worship, or maybe it's our self-awareness. Some of us are more self-aware than others. Uh, Animals though, they're really, they fall short in all these categories, don't they? they don't create art. They don't worship. They don't seem to be pondering existential questions about themselves. Yeah, so maybe we could guess as we look around, that being made in the image of God is about all this stuff, based on what we see and what we think about humanity. But isn't it better? Isn't it more definitive if we look to the image of God, the human? And so we read from Colossians earlier, where Paul writes, he, that is Jesus, is the image of Of the invisible God so Jesus is the image of God and it makes so much sense doesn't it you know if if being made in the image of God is a distinguishing characteristic for human beings then and Jesus is the distinguished human being then we look to Jesus to know what it is to be made in the image of God So that is why being made in the image of God is first and foremost not about us. We love to make it about us. We're here made in the image of God and we're just thinking about ourselves and what we're like, our behavior, our culture, our purpose, our destiny, our souls. But let's just pause that and let's stop thinking about ourselves for a moment because being made in the image of God is not about humans primarily. It's about Jesus. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. And so all these things that we've mentioned already, art, worship, complex relationships, self-reflection, we could think about this all day, but they all find crystal clarity in the person of Jesus. And so I reckon we could summarize what Jesus shows us about being made in God's image in just one sentence. And so if you're a note taker, I know some of you guys are note takers, take out your favorite pen or pencil. This is the big idea. The image of God brings glory to God. The image of God brings glory to God. It's really simple. You might be disappointed even though it's not more complicated. But it's really that simple. And so I've got two illustrations to explain, two opposite illustrations actually. So imagine this firstly, imagine I'm sitting at home one night, it's a weeknight, 7 p.m., just just relaxing, and the phone rings, and it's Rod. He asks me how I'm going, very caring. Um, Sounds worried, sounds worried though, don't know why. Um, I just tell him, you know, I'm just at home watching some Bondi rescue, 7 (laughs) p.m. And he pauses, right, Um, and he tells me very seriously, Rod says, I'm wanted by the police. The police are looking for me because they have me on camera breaking into a jewellery store. Did I say that right? Jewellery store. And emptying the cabinets. Yeah, I'm shocked. I'm confused. All the appropriate emotions in that circumstance. Yeah, I definitely haven't robbed any stores recently. I can't understand what's going on. Yeah, so I just rush online, I get my computer and I open up the news and there I am. It's only like CCTV quality, it's a bit fuzzy, right? But it's definitely my face. It's definitely my face on the cameras. It's like some kind of sci-fi horror movie about an evil twin. And so what would you be thinking in that moment? If you were me, maybe you're thinking, someone with my face has been caught on camera committing a crime and the cops are after someone with my face. Maybe draw the curtains or something, you know? You're thinking that's not me. I didn't do that. You might be thinking about your reputation. You might be thinking, who else has seen this? Maybe like, you know, Rod's seen it. Maybe my grandma's seen it. Maybe college has seen it. My principal misrepresented. You know, you feel like you've been misrepresented by this doppelganger, this clone of yours. So, what would you be thinking at that moment? Well, let's just pause that evil twin story for a second. Let's go to the second illustration. So imagine, um, imagine this time that, you know, it's 2020, imagine that the Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics are actually on, okay? And not only are they on, but you're, they're there in Tokyo. You're not in Sydney, you're in Tokyo, and you're in the stands watching the, the Tokyo Olympics. And what are you watching? Well, of course, what else would you be watching? You're watching the finals for fencing kind of Australian are you if you don't like fencing, right? So you're a die-hard fencing fan, you can't wait. The final start, you're on the edge of your seat. You know, they they do that thing where they put the arm behind their back and they're right? I don't know what they do. They lunge, they parry, and then one final blow, bam! One final poke. It's all over. And then the ref, I think there's a ref, lifts the arm up of the winner. And then the winner lifts the mask off. And it's your face. Oh wait, so it's your smiling, sweaty face, but you're not shocked this time. You're not confused. Why? Because you're actually sitting in the players' stands. You're actually the coach. And the gold medalist, who looks exactly like you, with a big smile on their face, is your son. Or for the ladies, your daughter. So imagine that this time. What would you be feeling this time? Might be proud, excited, over the moon. Because the one with your face bearing your image, representing your likeness, has done well. You know, whereas the the jewelry store thief with your face? They've smeared your image. They've misrepresented your likeness. As one bearing your image, they've bought they've brought shame and disrepute to you but your beloved child who's just won gold in fencing at the olympics they've brought honor and glory to you and so this is what an image does and this is what an image is for glory now there's two things that you might have noticed from the illustration two things that come out of glory pleases the one you're representing and it shows the world the one you're representing. So just pause and have a think about how Jesus does this. We just read from Colossians that Jesus is the image of God. And so try to think about where in the Bible Jesus shows God to the world. I can tell you're thinking already. And think also about when Jesus pleases the one he's representing. the gears turning have a just a scan the bible in your head or in your hands i'll give you about 20 seconds to do it while i flip to the passage okay so think about what parts of the bible show jesus representing god and pleasing him Okay, I reckon that's enough time. Obviously, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go around and ask you guys what you came to, what came to mind. But of course, I reckon many of you guys would have thought of the four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, when we read about you know where we read about Jesus' life and death, and that's a great place to go if you want to see the image of God in action. You go to the four Gospel accounts. And so I wonder if we can just go now to Mark. We've spent um, some time recently in the second half of the book of Mark. And so let's, let's go to the, first, um, the very beginning of Mark this time. Okay? Let's go to the very beginning of Mark in chapter one and let's look at Jesus's baptism. It should be familiar to many of you. We'll have a close look at just three verses in chapter one, verses nine to 11. And we'll be flipping through Mark a little bit. I'll try to stay within Mark because it's familiar to you guys. So in Mark chapter one, verses nine to 11, so Jesus is getting baptized by John in the Jordan River. The heavens are torn open and what happens in verse 11 I'll read it out and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son with you I am well pleased remember our second illustration about the Olympics you might have noticed already that there's a there's a link between being an image bearer and being a son or a daughter that's really important. You know, image bearer, son and daughter. And then the image bearer brings glory. So you have these three links, don't you? Bring glory as an image bearer is also linked to being a son or a daughter. Adam, he was made in God's image and he was the first son of God. He was made to bring glory to God. We know how poorly that went. And we follow Adam's image We're made to bring glory to god but we also know how poorly that can go but jesus who is god's image jesus who is the son of god brings glory to god he does bring glory to god and he pleases god here at the very start of mark's gospel we have god saying to jesus you are my beloved son with you i am well pleased jesus the son who bears the likeness of his father pleases god the father the image of god brings glory to god and pleases him you might be wondering though how does jesus bring glory to god here it's just barely started but just hold that thought and hold your finger there too let's go to the end of mark now okay the very end of mark almost at the very end chapter 15 Verses 37 to 39. Let's have a flip there. Chapter 15, verses 37 to 39. So we're going from the baptism of Jesus all the way to his death on the cross. Chapter 15, verses 37 to 39. Jesus dies, the temple curtain is torn, and a voice says, Truly, this man was the Son of God. This man has seen God at the cross. we have we have the two things we mentioned earlier about an image bringing glory god is pleased at the baptism and god is represented to the world at the cross two moments in Mark's gospel that is baptism and it is death glory is basically framing the whole book from beginning to end so at both of these ends you've got this big announcement and both times jesus has declared definitively As the son of god from the beginning to the end of mark the son brings glory to god because jesus is the image of god who pleases god who rightly represents god to the world in the jordan river on the cross everything jesus did brought glory to god and especially at the cross it might not be new to you to think about Jesus bringing glory to God at the cross, but we're talking about being in the image of God now, so picture it, picture the image. How is a man who is beaten and disfigured and bleeding and naked and nailed to a cross, glorious? How's that something to be proud of? You know, even God doesn't seem very pleased at the cross, does he? The sky's darkened, it seems like he's angry, if anything. Here's the difference. it's not God declaring Jesus to be the son this time. It's, it's a man declaring it. This time, the image of God shines into the heart of a man so that he sees Jesus for who he is and so that he sees God. The centurion here is looking at this image of the cross or image on the cross. And he's the one who declares, truly, this man was the son of God. Because the image of God is meant to be on display to the world, and it was on display at the cross. The Son of God went to the extent of the cross to show show the world God's love. And so some people, they talk about, you know, seeing is believing. If I saw God, I will believe in God. And it's kind of true, because the whole Bible is this gradual revealing of God where Jesus at the cross is the pinnacle. We see God most clearly is at the cross and so it actually perfectly ties up with the idea of the image of god doesn't it we see god when we see jesus and we see god so clearly right here as jesus dies on the cross and so some people they look they look at jesus's death on the cross as a wasted life some people they they think young man who ended his life too early whose life ended too soon some people see a rebel that the Romans made an example of. But others, others saw a man who took death head on, who bore the full brunt of God's judgment. They saw him die and they said, truly this man is the son of God. And for those of us here who've read the rest of Mark's gospel, we know that this was a rescue. Many saved through one man's death. And so what do you see when you look at the image of God on a cross? This is glory done right. This is the image of God done right. The image of God brings glory to God. Now, how about us? The burning question, right? We're made in the image of God, aren't we? So how do we go about, how do we go about living out what we're made to be? How do we bring glory to God? Well, the answer is often we don't. We don't, do we? But then what does it look like to fail? Let's just tease out what it looks like to fail in those two aspects of bringing glory to God, failing to please God and failing to represent Him. Well, There's one one thing that's really big in the Bible, but not so big in Sydney, well, not obviously big. Let's think about idolatry, the travesty of idolatry. You know, tucked away off the main road in not really my part of Melbourne but in the inner west of Melbourne along the Maribyrnong River uh, there's a temple that I visited. It's called the Heavenly Queen Temple and I think a picture's going to come up. It's uh, They've got these statues of holy people. Um, they, they're lined up along the wall in their little alcoves. They've got like, a big chair and they're probably two times bigger than a normal human in these lavish outfits and uh, sitting on thrones, of course. Um, let's think about how what we've learnt about the image of God applies to this temple. Do you realise what's particularly evil about this kind of idolatry? The one made in the image of God makes the image of another God. God's image-bearer, instead of bringing glory to God, has the audacity to make an image and call that God. It's absolutely twisted it's the everything's been upended as image bearers we don't we don't make images because we are the image and God's image is meant to bring glory to God as his representative not to bring glory to something else let alone make an image and wrongly call that a representation of God and so it's doubly wrong it's doubly evil and so the Bible goes on and on and on about idolatry but it's not just because you know it's pagan and it's not true and it's a lie and this, these gods don't exist it's not just that it's the re- a big reason that God is ma- massively against idolatry is because it completely goes against mankind being made in his image and that's that's all very clear for physical statues of false gods you know but most of us here we don't really dabble in that do we But there's another kind of idol that is more familiar and more common so if we go back to where it all began uh, we read from genesis a little while ago that we're made in god's image and so here's my riddle to you in genesis we're told that we're made in god's image and so then if we're made in god's image or likeness what's wrong with the serpent's enticements of eve that eating the fruit will make them like God. What's wrong with that? I will flip over now. Please turn with me if you have your Bibles. Genesis 3, chapter 5. I'll read it out. The serpent says in chapter 3, verse 5, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If we're made to be like God, What's wrong with wanting to be like God? It wasn't Jesus, the perfect image of God, like his Father? And isn't the image of God meant to bring glory to God as an accurate representation of him? Well, here's, the, here's where we're sick to the core. Eve wanted to be like God without God. She wanted to shove him out of his place, and so did Adam. They knew that. They knew that God said not to eat from that fruit. And so when the serpent says that eating it will make them like God, the serpent is inviting Eve to usurp God. And she wants it. And Adam wants it. And we want it to be like God, but without God. Instead of God's image being on about God, the image is on about themselves. And so we look around and wonder, where did all this narcissism come from? Where did all this self-centeredness? We read it right here. And we know it right here as well. Because most of us, we don't worship physical statues, stone stone and metal images of God here in Sydney. But all too often, we just fix our gaze on ourselves. You know, when you walk past a window and you check yourself out, we you just agonize over your appearance in front of a mirror. These moments are just sim- symptomatic of a heart that wants God out. These moments point to a desire that make... you know, a desire to make ourselves like God without God. Um, there's a really helpful book that you might have heard of or read called um, The Freedom of Self Forgetfulness. A Tim Keller, The Freedom of Self Forgetfulness. Uh, and the cover of the book, on the cover is an empty mirror. You might have seen it. The Freedom of Self Forgetfulness. And it's an empty mirror because, you know, we're all too often fixated on ourselves, our image, our lives. And the point of the empty mirror is a call to simply stop fixating on self. Was only half the picture. As image bearers, when we look in that mirror, instead of ourselves, in a sense, we should see God. Because the cure for narcissism, the cure for this endless self-centeredness that just sucks you in, the cure is God. God brings you out of that self-destructive black hole because he lifts your eyes to him and his goodness and his love and so if we wanna think about lifting our eyes to God, there's just one more place I wanna look at, okay? One more place in the book of Mark. So we're gonna go briefly to Mark chapter 12. This is the final few verses we're gonna look at in Mark chapter 12. So I read it out starting from verse 13, just that one paragraph in Mark chapter 12, verse 13. Bring me a denarius, and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he, Jesus, said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Jesus holds up a coin. I brought a prop today. Let me get it out. Jesus holds up a coin, just like this. And he asks them, Whose likeness is this? Or literally, Whose face is on this coin? They reply, Caesar. We reply, Queen Elizabeth II. The coin, you see, the coin is an image bearer, it belongs to Caesar. And Jesus says his famous words, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. If you don't use the word render, which many of us don't. Give to God what is God's. Give to God what is God's. Glory belongs to God. Praise belongs to God. Worship belongs to God. We, as his image bearers, belong to God. And so if you're not a Christian today, the call for you is, let me get this right, not. The call for you, if you're not a Christian, is not to just pull up your socks and be a better image bearer. I'm not asking you to try harder to please God or to be a better representation of God, but simply to give yourself to God. Maybe it's not that simple. But the call is to let go. You want to hold on. You want to... But you have to pull your your gaze away from that mirror. You have to pull your gaze away from seeing yourself in that mirror to see the perfect image of God in Jesus and to find freedom in his image and not your own. If you are a Christian, the call is to keep fixing your eyes on Jesus, the image of the invisible God. Look even more intently at him. Get to know him even more and more, because what a privilege what a privilege it is to be able to know God, to see God. And as image bearers, show him to others too, by words and by deeds. Rightly represent him to others and bring glory to him. Give to God what is God's. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, who is your image, and thank you for making us in your image. I pray that you help us to really mold us over, to keep wrestling with what it is to be made in your image. I pray that we would have fruitful conversations and that you'll give us your knowledge by your spirit and you'll defend us from false knowledge of this world. I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.